Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Hello. Oh, I, 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 hi, welcome. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? Great, great. Good to see you, Isla. Good to see you, Carmel. Um, so this is our, uh, this is my first, I'm very excited, as you saw. Business is unusual, and I'm so excited to have you here because you have been doing this for years. I want to be uh, very upfront in saying, like, I have known Carmel personally and professionally for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and so we've worked together on different projects and for each other and had also a, a good friendship, which is so rare, I think, to be able to have such a spectrum, spectrum of interaction with someone. So really value, value that with you. Uh, and I'm super excited to talk about specifically the work that you do both with your individual clients and then in your groups. Uh, so let's start with maybe you introducing yourself um, and talking a little bit about like what you do and then we'll go from there. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on here with you, which I love <laughs> and all of our great conversations that take us down the, the rabbit holes that we go that are so interesting. Uh, so I have been a coach for the last, you know, 20 plus years. And in that time I've developed my method, it's called the transformational influence method. And I train on this and I also, uh, I do coaching with people. It's not specifically life coaching. It's actually much deeper than that. So I'll work with executives. I work with leaders. I work with uh, people in relationships. Uh, I work with people in career direction, all of that, because at the core underneath all of these parts of our lives or the hats that we wear is the core self. And so that's really the work that I do. And transformational influence requires that we start there before we work outward into all the other areas of life. So that's kind of a, a quick little insight into that. I, I founded the Center for Transformational Influence out of the work that I do. And the Center for Transformational Influence is, uh, you can join the online community that I have around the Center for Transformational Influence. You can follow the work that I do that's out there through different mediums, LinkedIn and other social media platforms. Or you can come into the community and actually participate in the community itself in what I'm doing. I lead courses. I do direct executive coaching with people. Uh, I run events that people can come and participate in. And the, really the, the underlying focus of what I'm doing is how we develop ourselves at the foundational levels in order to be change in the world in the ways that 
uh, help improve the space for everybody else in whatever our sphere is. So for me, I have people that, you know, run the gamut in terms of where their focus is, uh, but I'm interested in making sure that that foundation is built very strongly and then opens up the vision of how they really can take who they are and make the greatest impact in the world. So that's really the, the critical path for me, what I continue to focus on. So, well, and I, I know my own experience of, of working with you is that um, it, you have to be prepared to be present. Like you said, like it's very internal, it's very deep and um, I value it so much. And I also recognize that it requires something of your participants. So anybody that shows up to work with you usually ends up having to show up. And it, you know, my own experience of that has been that's really positive because it's a great education for how to get out into the world and recognize where you have influence and also just even where you have influence over yourself. So um, at any rate, uh, you know, today exactly. is Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to those of you that celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I so love that we're doing this today. Um, and, um, I was going to start with a couple of icebreakers. Obviously I know you really well and may possibly some of the folks who are watching do, but, um, I have a couple of like fun little questions that I pulled you know, from a, a list of questions to ask kids. Cause you know, that's who we like to get to know the most. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one I have is what hobby of yours do you think would most surprise people, you know? Um, well, so that's an interesting thing. I think um, I, I probably have passions more than I have hobbies. And the one okay. that seems to kind of surprise people the most is uh, I'm an uh, oils artist. So I paint, um, I'm an artist. I paint on canvas. I prefer large canvases. I prefer palette knife work. So I work with palette knives instead of brushes mostly. And, um, and I do abstracts primarily. I'll do figures and abstracts. Those are my primary forms as an oils artist. And so if you come to, you know, my loft, you'll see I've got multiple um, easels, big easels, mm -hmm. big canvases, art on the walls, uh, my paint supplies out. <laughs> so it's one of the things that I love and I'm passionate about, but I actually didn't come to that until in my thirties. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had a clear idea when I was in seventh grade in Mr. Marino's art class, I had to sit down with myself and I said, Carmel, you're not an artist because I couldn't make things look the way that I wanted to. And then fast forward two and a half decades and I, I came back to it. Something in me led me back into art and hmm. it's a passion for me for sure. Well, I, I loved your art. So <laughs> that's a great one. Um, what's the last musician that you got lost in? Oh, good. Uh, that's, um, I would have to say that I, a musician that I've gotten lost in, not just like a song or, you know, music mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, it's kind of a tie between Rye, um, who I love and, um, the, the band Juno. I love both of those for some reason. They just totally pull me in, um, still right mm -hmm. now so right and you know, right, i'm gonna have to share out some songs or links with the show notes on that one so <laughs> i have no i don't know either of those <laughs> right. all right um uh and then where do you go for inspiration uh inside yeah i go inside i mean my life is such that i live in 
work from wherever I am in the world. And I've been doing that for a while now. Uh, I definitely am inspired by people. I'm inspired by being in front of the ocean. I'm inspired by movement when I, you know, just anything that I'm doing that's movement related. But most of all, I would say that uh, I walk around with my inspiration inside of me all the time, 24 seven. So if I really want to go to where I'm inspired, I have to just stop mm-hmm. and come in here. And that's, that's my number one place. What about you? Where's your number one place to go for inspiration? Oh, I, you know, that's a great question. Um, inspiration. I would say right, right now, specifically, it's been my wee moon calendar. It's really been, yeah, the the theme this year is the magical dark. And that was a great transformation for me um, in terms of saying, okay, there's all these things that I feel challenged by. And there is a feeling of some sense of darkness that I've been engaged with in the world. And, and just to recognize like darkness is also where the seeds germinate in the earth and it's the womb and there's so much potential and it's easy to have a reflex opinion about something because it can be scary or um, uncertain. Right. And yet there's also so much more happening uh, if we, if we could get that perception and that reframe. So um, it was that. very good for me <laughs> to kind of get into that headspace. I think. That's wonderful. I, I love that as well. I think that, um, I think when I interact with people all the time, moving out of the spaces of our certainty into the spaces of the unknown is the opportunity for new inspiration. But we just, we tend to cheat ourselves towards what we do know all the time instead of being Mm -hmm. able to entertain the unknown and the uncertain on a regular basis in our lives. And for me, that's part of been like why I travel the way that I do. You know, I don't have all this, everything planned out. I just like decide on a space usually and I end up and, you know, go there and figure it out as I put one foot in front of the other because it keeps me more honest about the fact that every next moment in our lives really is an unknown and how do we in, engage that in our minds in a way that helps us instead of trying to avoid it, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I, that is, I admire that. I know there's a couple of times I've, really it, interestingly like gone to another country and when I get off the plane my first moment because it mm. is so foreign uh, you know it's like literally right I'll have this moment of being like why did I do this <laughs> what, <laughs> what am I here I this is gonna be really hard I have to learn all these things and figure that and I just have that moment as I'm walking around going what, why, why? <laughs> so, you know, there's just like a, and I, I value that too, that opportunity to grow, but, um, but I also have that hesitation, maybe resistance. I think that the resistance builds the more we stay in our routines. That's what I have found because during the pandemic last two years, mm. and I've been grounded more than I've been at all in the last 10, probably 10 years or nine years, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to actually, you know, it's hard to, to pull things up and actually step back into a space of moving into the uncertain and into the unknown uh, and know ourselves in it, right? That's really the key, isn't it? To, like you say, you're getting off the plane and you're like, why did I do this? And how, you know, <laughs> all of this, that moment, right? Because the, the subconscious mind is like, wait, you know, this is all unusual. This is all unknown. Why? Like, <laughs> are we sure we wanna be here? Uh, and I guess I found that too, you know, when I was getting ready to head on this trip, I, I'm back East right now, instead of where I've been over the last two years in the pandemic, um, that 
yeah, I was so ready to just like pull up. And again, I had a loose idea of my itinerary, a few things that I had to show up for, for sure at certain times, but a lot of people to connect in with and see. And, and, you know, it's just been the, you know, that kind of letting myself move through space, everything is taken care of. Everything happens in this perfect way. And I've learned how to live that way more and more in my life. So it's been good to kind of be in the unknown again, instead of the Mm -hmm. known every day. We need both. We definitely need Mm -hmm. the routines, right? Um, For sure. And I'd gone too long without having that solidity for myself. So the pandemic was actually really good. We've talked about this. The pandemic Mm -hmm. was super helpful for me to be able to just like stop everything and get a routine. But to, uh, to cultivate the uncertainty of the unknown in our lives, I think makes a massive difference for us overall. Um, yeah, so I could go down that rabbit hole for sure. But anyway, mm-hmm. so back to <laughs> no, 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 that's great. I know. I think it's really important. I actually many years ago, uh, I was working with a meditation instructor and I was doing a solitary retreat. And as I was working with them to talk about the retreat, they said, all right, well, we have to create a schedule for you. And um, and I can be a little rigid when it comes to schedules and, and, and then he stops and he looks at me and he goes, you know, you have to have a schedule because then that allows you to have something to deviate from. <laughs> I was like, that's so Buddhist. And, oh, that's so but, Buddhist. But it was like, but it was also a really good message for me because I could get, I could get locked in. I mean, I guess like most people into a rut and to have somebody remind me, you know, that you need, like you said, you need both. You can't deviate if you never have anything consistent and, and it is often in those moments of deviation from our expectations or our patterns that we'll have a moment of discovery or shift or awareness. Mm-hmm. And so we need both, we need the patterns and they do make it easier. Our brains are kind of wired to, to be more mm-hmm. efficient when you have that. And we also need the influx of uh, being expected or the opportunity to learn or whatever. So, but I was like, yes, thank you. I need a pattern size that they did deviate from. This is, why I'm here because it's good for me <laughs> to learn. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> like, he called it right on, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's like a lot of inspiration to that kind of engagement when people could just show up and be present in that way. So, um, so one of the things that I was excited about for us to talk about a little bit um, on Valentine's Day, but useful all the time, is you know that the rules for loving yourself. Um, and the ways in which you know, the other thing you were talking about was the ways in which um, we we bring love into our work. And and I, you know, you and I obviously do a, a kind of very personal work. However, I I don't necessarily feel like it's limited to that. I've seen so many different opportunities for people to be present to what they love, whether it's you know the the engagement in the moment of creating something. So I'm just I'd love to have you talk a little bit about those two things in any way that feels um, like the right way to you. Oh, and I'm so excited about this topic, like seriously so excited. When you came up with it, I was like, oh, yes, because I think that, you know, we put this idea of love with business. They seem to be, you know, anathema to each other, which they really Mm -hmm. are not at all, or they shouldn't be, you know, if they are in a situation that we're in, they should not be. Um, So, you know, for example, I'm here right now having this, you know, conversation with um, one of my former clients, who's also a good friend and um, she's the county prosecutor in the area that I am. We we're just having conversations this morning about what, you know, what she's been moving forward for herself. And so it's a perfect example of what we're talking about that 
what she sees as moving forward is finding out how to further the people around her. And she's mm-hmm. always been doing that. And even before she came into this position, you know, she was always looking at every moment of relationship, whether it was somebody she was, you know, working with who was in the system, you know, the justice system, um, uh, you know, that she was, you know, playing into their future in some way, whether it was a colleague or a person that was, you know, going through, you know, law enforcement processes of some kind, that she always looked at it from the perspective of how does the part I play help to further them um, in the ways that will be best for them, right? Mm -hmm. How do I show up in that way? And for me, that's a perfect example of, you know, love is a verb in, you know, situations that you could look at and say, well, that can't, you know, how do you bring love into the justice system in a way that works, right? But that's how she has seen herself and that's how she shows up. So people always know that she can be counted on to ask that question, like right out Mm -hmm. of the gate. How can I further the very best things for you in the part that I play? Um, So what are your thoughts when I say that? I mean, how does that like hit you? Um, No, I mean, I think that one of the things and part of why I wanted to do this series is we, we leave people and humanity out of a lot of things in terms of, and, and I think that often frequent, often I feel like I see folks enact their own suffering on others. So when you were talking about Mm. the ability to love yourself and to really be present to your reactions and triggers, and then to recognize that it, in every action, we have the opportunity to show compassion and grace to, to whoever's participating. Um, and, and I, you know, I feel like there's a, it's kind of what you were talking about at the beginning. We, we need it all, right? Like sometimes you have to have like a strong, harsh kind of like situation, the, the reactions, the, the rules that we have and the consequences that exist in life are exist for, as a reaction often to experiences or to fears. I mean, that's the other thing I say a lot is people are afraid something will happen. And so they try to prevent it. And they make up this whole thing, like if this, and there's this whole, but none of it's actually real. It's all something that they've just got, got this thing going on because we believe our thoughts. Apparently uh, everybody does this <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, and so it's understandable once again, that that happens. And so it's not about saying that the way that um, my challenge is that when I'm saying, no, I want to do things differently. I run into folks who are like, oh, it's not possible or, you know, and it's like, why? You don't know. We haven't tried different yet. We've been doing it this way in a mainstream fashion for a very long time. It's not the only way. There's lots of ways that we overran as Westerners that, you know, we ran into. So I'm, I'm not trying to replace anything uh, per se. I, I I have a prejudice that I think if we engage with humans as whole beings, we would see uh, big differences in how things work. You know, for example, over the pandemic, a lot of parents really struggled because the schools were closed. And, and you know, and it's a, one of those moments where like, wow, a lot of our businesses rely on schools to provide care for children so adults can work. And they're making a, you know, but they make a profit off of a free service that's provided. Technically, it's not free. We all pay for it with our, uh, usually our property taxes. Well, what if we, what if we didn't, what if we came up with another way <laughs> that was, right. because it's sort of hidden, right? right? So that for me, that's a lot of it is saying, you know, we need, we need our, we need whole people participating. And I, I just want to move towards that as much as possible in the places and ways that I have the power to do so. 
Right. And I think it requires uh, that we have to, you know, challenge kind of the existing ways that things are happening to see if they really are able to produce the greater, the greater possibilities of support and good for us and everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. If we have that as our objective, instead of just what's in it for me, then to me, that's a perfect example of love as a verb, right? So we're not saying, oh, it's just the way it's been. So, you know, we have to hold that or uphold that or defend that at all costs. We have to instead ask the question, is this the best way for all of us? Is this the best way forward? And that will usually mean a challenge to certain existing situations um, and the opportunity for us to make changes that benefit more than just ourselves. Um, and But it also means change and people can be afraid of change. So for me, love is, you know, in, in business and in work, love in part means the ability to entertain change, right? That's a, that's a major component. You know, if we really are going to engage from that place of what we call love, we're going to recognize that we're, we'll, we'll have to let go of the way things are in some, to some extent on a regular basis in order to show up to what, you know, what is happening and what the greater possibilities are. And that means that we can stay permeable, right? I think our permeability Mm -hmm. to, to change is a definite measurement of showing up from that deeper place of compassion all the time, because, you know, what solved things, you know, yesterday isn't what's going to solve them tomorrow necessarily. And how are we going to be able to honestly engage with that? Uh, for ourselves and for others. And I think that's a, a huge component. I think another thing that you touched on, which I think is really um, important, is this love of self. How do, we, how do we have the foundation to do that with in the first place? You know, I find that a lot of the challenges that we find, that we come up against, um, come from this place of competition instead of being able to see things uh, with inquiry, curiosity, and collaboration. Uh, if we are engaging from a competitive perspective instead of a collaborative, mutually benefiting perspective, then we reduce resources to a zero-sum game. And to me, that's not love as a verb in business. If I'm going to have to reduce things to a zero-sum game, then I'm going to get a zero-sum whether I'm on the positive side or the negative side, 100% of the time. But if Mm -hmm. I look at things from a perspective of synergistic possibility, if I engage with problems or with, you know, opportunities, both, right, problems and opportunities Mm -hmm. from a place that says, what are the greater potentials here? Um, How do I start from that place in the first place is, is really how I choose to show up to myself. Do I love who I am exactly as I am? Mm-hmm. Because we can't, we can't bring a, a negative deficit within ourselves into a situation and expect to get a positive result. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, and it, it's a, um, it's easy. Most of us are the heroes of our own story. It's easy to convince ourselves that we have a really good motivation for what we're doing. And so when we can be present to who we are and what's happening and, and approach things from that awareness, we're more likely to have that positive impact. Um, I know I did sort of grassroots social justice organizing for a long time and I saw people, um, come in fired up, you know, angry, usually understandably, like, let's not say that's not, you know, understandable. And yet at the same time, anger is a very short, um, motivator. It's a short gas tank. Mm -hmm. And, and I, well, anger is what woke me up. It was compassion that kept me going. 
and recognizing yeah. that if I'm going to do the work that I believe in, the that that's the motivation that's going to keep me c- capable of actually doing it and showing up and being present with the people that I need to be, as opposed to the very understandable anger, it, but it also clouds for me anyway, my ability to see what's in front of me and the woundedness that contributes to the problems mm-hmm. that we're dealing with in a lot of those different kinds of situations. So um, that's one of the reasons when you were talking about how in your work with people, you'll, you will work with the rules for loving yourself. And, and I, well, that's really brilliant for, because it's going to have such a positive impact in so many parts of someone's life. If they can really be less reactive to their own internal things. And then that, that allows them to see a little bit more about what's, what's happening around them, or at least that's been my experience. I think that that's, actually very well characterized that, you know, when I work with people to understand the rules of loving myself, the rules of loving ourselves, like most people think of that in terms of self-care. And I'm like, no, no, rules of loving myself and self-care are two very different things. Self-care is a way that I can carry out my rules of loving myself, but it's only one way that I can Mm. do that, right? Whereas what are the rules of loving myself? Um, So for example, when I look at the rules of loving myself, I, I look at that it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm not relying on other people to love me more than I show up to loving who I am exactly as I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And to recognize what that requires of me, what that means for me. Sometimes it means hard boundaries in relationships. Sometimes it means um, that I have to make the tough decisions to step back even from opportunities that I want because it's overextending myself. It's, you know, over leveraging and you can call that self-care, but, I think it goes further than that. It goes into this place of real trust and respect within myself for me and with myself, right? So um, another example of rules of loving myself are um, that I, um, I, I recognize when I start to tell a story, right? And that story can be undermining of myself in some ways, that it's my responsibility to myself to constantly be challenging whatever stories I might be telling myself about myself or other situations, other people, whatever, and remove the story so that I can be open and in curiosity about the circumstances or the situation instead of reducing, you know, what I'm dealing with or reducing myself to this idea of the story that I'm, I'm playing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that one of the rules of loving myself for sure is that I uphold my own self-respect, that my respect of myself has to be able to stand in every situation in my life. And that can be difficult, right? Mm -hmm. It can be very difficult. There are things that nobody will ever see, Mm -hmm. that nobody will make a difference. Is there an example that you can share that isn't, you know, overly vulnerable? I don't know what I but it's like, if you were saying like, I'm going to stand in respecting myself, can you give a a sort of an outline of what, what someone might um, what, what that is for you, I guess, how they could connect to that in a, in right. a concrete fashion. Right. So I think I'll have, I'll give two examples because I think they both apply. Um, one is more visible in a certain way and one is, is not visible at all. So for like, for example, the invisible would be, um, how I show up to my exercise routines, right? Like those are not going to be visible to anybody else. And so it's really just a matter of my relationship with myself and my respect of myself to know that exercise for me um, and how I have the relationship with that in my life is really fundamentally 
an act of respecting myself, respecting who I am. Uh, respecting my health requires that I show up that way in a consistent way and that I don't let myself off the hook of that. You know, if I can't make it one day that I come back to that in a way of respect, not in a way of coercion or a way of expectation that's unhealthy, you know, based on mm -hmm. what I'm, you know, putting in my head. Because my overall health, my mental health, my emotional health, my, my long-term health, all of that require this day-to-day -day respect of me in that relationship to movement. Um, so then another one would be how I respect myself in terms of my time. And this mm -hmm. is a big one for people, right? Because I know for me, I require um, a large amount of unstructured space and time in order to be at my very best. And mm -hmm. I am very productive in it, but it needs to be unstructured according to other people and anybody else's expectations on me, you know, I'm going to show up here and do this or show up to this person for this thing or whatever. So how I respond to people with text messages and emails and, you know, things like that has to be able to respect how I show up to that has to respect my need for my own unstructured time. That's my creative time, my time where I'm building and generating or restoring or whatever. And how I negotiate that is a fundamental aspect of my respect of myself. And if I'm pushing too hard one direction or not holding up in another, I will feel the effects of that in the loss of my own inner respect with me. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? No, that makes total sense. And so I think that's also a great example of understanding what you specifically need, right? Like that's, I think a big, one of the things, obviously I work with a lot of folks around different um, ways of engaging in their, in their business specifically. And I find that what I constantly really work to do is help folks understand that, look, you're doing great. You don't have to change anything. There's a couple of things that you don't like how it's working, but that doesn't mean that the whole system's problematic, <laughs> right? Like, like, let's let's stick with this because right? there's right. so much here that's obviously functional. It just doesn't necessarily match someone else's way of doing it, right. what their needs are. You know, like an extrovert might, you know, and I, I don't love those words, but, you know, the way that we understand that might really need a day full of people. And and so it's it's important for people to be comfortable being aware of just how they are and without judgment. I think that's a big part of it, that the rules of loving, for me, my rule of loving myself is to say, I have to be able to look at what's happening without judgment before I can then make a choice about how I want to engage with it. Like I might not like the outcome of something, say, okay, I got to do this differently, but I don't, I don't start with judging what's happening. Say, all right, this is just where we are today. <laughs> this is like, you know, and some some days that's super productive. And I will admit, like the end result, I'll come like, yes, I like those days better, because uh, I I find myself very motivated by achieving uh, results on tasks. Like that's what really makes me feel accomplished and good and all of that. However, I can start with judging myself around it. That also doesn't work so well for me. I'm carrot, <laughs> not stick motivated. Like to be a long time, you know, like some people really need the criticism and all of that and it motivates them. And it's not me. <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe they just don't know the alternative yet and they can give it a try. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so a couple more questions. Uh, one, what so you do this work, the transformational influence. You have the center. Um, I, I love your right. You're in a am I allowed to talk about your book, your writing book? I just did. So it's too late. Uh, <laughs> and I have several that I'm working on, but yeah. one that's mm -hmm. that's closer to, you know, that getting published point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for sure. 
Um, well, so what, what would be different in the world? Like you would do this work in all these different places. What would be different in the world if you achieve your vision? Oh, uh, so I guess probably the number one thing that I, if I could achieve my vision, the number one thing that I would see different is that people would know how to value themselves fundamentally. They would know the processes of coming to their own value and the ability to continue to do that. Because if we know how to truly value ourselves first, we can show up with other people and to other people and to situations without opposite that then we go subconsciously trying to fill in all these different ways. Power grabs, for example, are com competitive instead of collaborative approaches, this need to, you know, to try and, you know, take resources away from others or to, you know, even just this idea of using up resources indiscriminately instead of recognizing the impacts that we have and the consequences of our choices and our actions. I think that all derives from a deficit within that we're not aware of. And so that would be my first approach. That's what I do in the core self-discovery work is help people to start to become that aware within the self and to learn in these very, um, healthy and uh, long-term sustainable ways how to take care of the self and to know and recognize and understand who we really are inside and then to show up in the world in our spheres from a whole person space a whole person's per perspective so there's the there's the sh shorter version of that answer that's how the I world like would be different I like it I like that's a world and that I would be very interested in being a part of um, and then what's your best advice either that you've received or that you have uh, heard come out of your mouth? Cause I know sometimes that's the thing that happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say both. Okay. The um, I think the first thing that I have probably received is um, to not take myself and everything so seriously. That's the best that I have received over and over again. Um, that, you know, what is so important right now today is already moving off into yesterday and what's going to come in from tomorrow is already on its way. And, you know, we do our best and we try again, we do our best and we try again. So instead of trying to hold on so tightly to not take it all so seriously and to remove myself from all of that anxiety and that need to control into a place of trust and seeing from a much bigger perspective best advice I've continued to be given um, or to have come back around to me in my life. And then the other advice that I give that's come out of my mouth is, um, is something that's very near and dear to me, which is that life is not one thing. We have this idea, you know, that when change happens or, you know, major things that happen in our lives or happen in the world around us, that we just grab on and we feel this enormous loss uh, oftentimes. And I find instead that what my life has taught me is that something can be so good. And when it goes, when it changes, we can feel this immense loss instead of this deeper wisdom inside that it is exactly this wonderful thing in our lives or in the reality. But life isn't one thing. It isn't the one thing of this relationship that I've had, or it isn't this one thing of the job, or it isn't this one thing of the way that the world works um, that seems so right, you know, and, and now it's different. That if we could really entertain this deeper wisdom that life is not one thing, 
that our perspective pulls back and sees things from a much wider uh, and wiser place and compassionate place, a place that can love in the moment and then love in the next moment and can show up with the very best that we have in the moments after that too. So I love that. Yeah. I'm going to share this. I pulled this off of your website, but I think it fits here, which is um, a quote. Do you want to read it or should I read it for you? Oh, I'll read it. I love this quote from Nancy Willard. I haven't a clue as to how my story will end, but that's all right. When you set out on a journey and night covers the road, you don't conclude the road has vanished. And how else could we discover the stars? It's a perfect metaphor for how I challenge myself again and again out of what I think I know to be open to what I don't know or what is next and to stay in that space of compassion and to stay in that space of curiosity and openness with others, with myself, with life, with, mm-hmm. with the next. So yeah, thank you. I loved that when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is so you. Uh, and it's such a great you know, <laughs> reminder. Like we, you know, we don't, we don't think the road is gone and it kind of goes back to that magical dark uh, yeah. inspiration. So um Thank you for that. And then when is your like next event or how does somebody get involved with what you're doing? Uh, you know, obviously I, and I'll put it in the notes as well. The center for uh, transformational influence is a great way for people to participate. Um, but yeah, I'm in the process of actually deciding when my next events are going to be. I do have a wake up call event that I'm going to be leading online in March. Um, I believe it's I'll have to look again. It's the 15th or 17th. I didn't have it right in front of me, but you can find out about it on my, in my community. So if you join my community, which is a free community to join, uh, that's where I'm always posting the latest and uh, uh, articles that I'm writing and ideas that are, I'm putting out there. Uh, you can always find that there. Plus there's a community of people who are really focused on their own lives and transformation and being able to build the influence in the ways that they value Um, so that's probably the best way for people to really come in and be part of that community. It's really next generation of what we're moving to beyond the whole social media aspect and being able to be part of intimate communities that we can participate in and contribute to and be, you know, have more for the contributions that we're making, have more for Mm -hmm. ourselves. So I would love for people to come and join me in this, uh, this community. So that's what I've got going on coming up. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Well, I'll send that out. Um, I'm going to do another uh, Business is Unusual in two weeks with uh, Dr. Darian Parker. Uh, I was on his podcast a while back, and he's a very interesting human. He is a fitness coach, started with running, but also does a bunch of social justice work and and really sees that intersection. So um, I'm curious to see what he's going to bring to our conversation. Um, And I think that is are everything i mean not it's not really everything we could talk for hours and hours and hours but it's everything i asked you to show up for <laughs> on your lunch break um unless there's something else you want to add um i just think this is a wonderful topic i'm so glad we had the opportunity to dive into it together and i also just really love this is what you're starting now next after all the things the wonderful incredible things that you've done isla business is unusual business is unusual is such a it's an opportunity for us to get out of the silos that we are in and actually see things in a bigger perspective, challenge our own ideas, um, be able to support 
I think that next level of change and growth that is asking for us to pay attention to it now in in the world for sure. So thank you for that. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I, part of it is just having worked with so many people like you, and Dr. Darian and um, Sarah. Like, there's such a long list of folks. We actually already have it scheduled out through the end of April because there's so many neat people doing really interesting things in a different way that is more people centered. That is more humane, in my opinion, and more engaged and sort of recognizing that we need to find ways to allow people to be whole beings and to have their families and cook their food <laughs> and also do their jobs. Like they want all that too. Most people do want to do work and be fulfilled by that as well as the rest of it. So I all right, totally well, agree. thank you everybody for being here. I'm going to um, pop this. Uh, I'm going to, very exciting outro. So we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.